Welcome to Monday Mornings with Michelle, the new business podcast. Whether you're kicking off your day or kickstarting your business, Michelle is going to kick your ass into next week with the essential fours. Strategy, systems, support, and state of mind. Now, welcome to center stage, Michelle Nedelec. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec. I am super glad that you're here with us today because I am here with my most amazing guest, Jeff Breger. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm doing great, Michelle, and I'm really looking forward to this. Awesome. It is going to be so much fun. Thank you for being here with us today. So give us a 5,000-foot view of who you are, what you do, what exciting projects you're working on. My name is Jeff Breger, and I'm the co-founder of the CFO Project. And... Uh, What's fun about this is that we figured out a way to bring the CFO um, function to small to medium-sized businesses. We actually need it more than the big businesses. So that's what really excites me. And having run my own businesses for so long and being a uh, retired CPA, I can tell you this, the financial community is misleading the crap out of you. Oh, I can't wait to find out how. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So give us a little bit of background for what, what is a CFO? What do they normally do in a company? And where would you normally see one? Well, you usually see them in bigger companies. Okay. But let's, let's put it down to what we understand. Imagine you're driving a car. All right. And in the back seat is your bookkeeper. And they're telling you where you've been. And in the passenger seat, is your accountant, your CPA slash um, your controller. And they're telling you where you are and what you did right and wrong in the past. And driving the car is the CFO. They're looking through the windshield, seeing where you're gonna end up and how you're gonna get there. So the CFOs of all the accounting profession, we're the most strategic, we're the ones who take you into the future, we're the ones who try to keep you out of losing money. So it's a very different role. And it's not one that most small business owners think of. They usually go to their CPAs for advice or their chartered accountants if you're in Canada. But those guys are compliance people. They tell you how much you owe and how much you could save in taxes, but not how to make money. Oh, so you're not all about cutting expenses 100% and there's no such thing as sales and marketing. <laughs> Quite the contrary, okay? So we find that through the accounting profession, people focus on the top line, which is revenue growth, the bottom line, which is profit, and nobody's telling you how to generate more cash so you can pay your stinking bills and get to your end goal, whatever that may be. Awesome. And and so that's my problem with the profession and, and being a part of it is no one's telling you what to do to make money. Look, nobody likes paying taxes and there's no obligation to pay any more than you have to. But the only way to really consistently get out of paying taxes is to make no money. That's it. Okay, regardless yeah, we don't of like the income bracket. <laughs> Think about Donald Trump. Everybody's saying, hey, you didn't pay any taxes. That's because you have to lose a lot of money to avoid paying taxes, period. Okay, so put it on the line. Taxes is a business expense. 
You want to minimize it. You want to minimize all your expenses, but not in a vacuum as it relates to your revenue and your growth. And that's what people are forgetting to tell you is if you cut people, you can't service your customers or clients. That's not necessarily the best thing. What can you do to be more efficient? What can you do to uh, make technology work with for you? What can you do to lower the amount of inputs like labor hours and or materials? And what can you do ultimately to cut the cost? But it's not just cost, cost cutting, that's silly. That's silly. Well, before we get into how to make more money, because I know that's super enticing for you know, everybody on it should be. <laughs> um, but tell us a bit about what the projects you got going on right now are, because it's pretty exciting what you've got. Well, the first one is the CFO project to bring this service to other people. But we got constrained in our own ability to, to deliver this service. So we're creating, we've created the Association of Business Advisors to train CPAs on how to be forward-looking. Nice. And service for their clients. So our, and we already have people and we haven't even announced it yet. Matter of fact, this is one of the first public announcements, but uh, we already have people in England and Canada who are saying we want to be a part of this. Oh, that's awesome. It, it's cool. It, it's cool. And we're, 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 we're like keeping one step in front of them. Sort of like being a professor at a university. All you got to do is be one class ahead of your students. <laughs> by the way, I've been an adjunct professor, so I know what that really means. Well, yeah, and a prolific writer, too. How many books do you have on your belt now? We just published our fourth. Nice. And, and um, this one, I'd, I'd like to even give to your listeners for free. Ooh, so if you're interested in that, you got to stick around to the end, kids. We <laughs> will announce that later. So cool, let's get into the, <clears throat> the money-saving category or money-making category. What are some of the ways just to taunt us and uh, give us some hints? And of course, if you want actual one-on-one -on -one advice, you have to go and talk to Jeff. So <laughs> all the legalese crap out of the way. Um, what are some of the fun ways that you can make money? Well, first of all, there, we, we focus on eight things in any company regardless of how big my companies were or how small, it's the same eight things, all right? Number one is leads generated. By the way, the first five have nothing to do with accounting, okay? Number two is your conversion rate. Are you getting, number one measures the quality of your leads and the effectiveness of your lead generation. Something I know somebody on this podcast does very well. <laughs> Something we might know about. <laughs> Uh, and, and if you're not connecting the dots, I'm talking about Michelle. She's phenomenal <laughs> at this. Got people um, eavesdropping on the call that you don't know about. <laughs> <laughs> the second is the conversion rate to, to find out if your sales funnel is your sales uh, people are doing their job, whether you're the salesperson or not. Now you got a client. That's the hard work. Now keeping them. Are you fulfilling your promise to your client? And this is about customer service. By the way, one of the best cost-cutting cost strategies I could tell you is eliminate the problems that cause problems for your clients. You waste more money servicing clients, client complaints than any other single part of your business. Wow. All right. Yep. The fourth is 
number of transactions per customer? Do you have a customer journey so that as they finish and accomplish their original goals, they seamlessly go into another product or service? So that's number four. And number five is your average price. Now, most people talk about their competition. Okay, here's a little pointer. Screw it. All right. If that's the reason you're competing, you're always going to be the low cost, low margin producer. So one of the first lessons I learned when I left the CPA firm and became a controller is that you want to be the highest price, not the lowest price. And I'm not saying that's literally, but I learned this lesson a long time ago that number one, you need to price for your cost, your profits and stuff like that but that makes you a living. And a lot of people work and they don't even make a living. And some are fortunate enough too, but how do you thrive? All right, that gets to perceived value, which no accountant talks about. Yeah, ever. <laughs> ever. And how does that enter into your subject? So like in economics, and that's what I taught at the university, it's, as price goes up, demand goes down. All right, let's talk about that for a second. How much would you pay for a purse at Target? About $40 maybe? By the way, I did price it out. <laughs> the same, a comparable purse from Gucci is $895. Mm -hmm. A comparable purse. Mm -hmm. In terms of what they do, it seems like they both do the same thing, right? But when you're talking with your girlfriends, do you say, oh, look at my new Target purse? <laughs> or do you say, oh, look at my new Gucci purse? And what does that do for you? <clears throat> so a lot of people miss prestige. So the first five numbers are really about your business funnel. And, and that's the other thing we do is we focus people on the whole business funnel, not the shiny object of the day. So now you're finally making money. So that's where the accountants come in. We can measure the money you're making, but we forget about the five elements that contribute to revenue. Again, lead generation, conversion rate, customer service or customer retention, um, number of transactions per customer and price. When you do the math, that equals revenue. So now you get into your variable cost or your cost of producing your product or service. That leads to your gross profit or gross margin. Gross margin is a percent, gross profit is absolute dollars. That's the difference between those two words, okay? Mm -hmm. And you wanna have a good percentage. And that's where you get into efficiency, technology, um, uh, components of your product or service and the actual cost of the components. Then from there, you've got to take away your fixed cost. That falls into normally three buckets, okay? Payroll, marketing, and other overhead, rent, utilities, and stuff like that. Most of those costs are called fixed for a reason. That obligation doesn't go away unless you go out of business. So the only way to cut your cost to zero is to go out of business. But what's that mean? You're not making money. So now you got net profit, all right, which is the seventh. 
Now, where's all that cash disappearing to? Gucci bags. The Gucci bags, right. <laughs> and where does the Gucci bag show up on your balance sheet? Now, without being technical, here's where your money's leaking. Funding receivables and inventory. Buying new assets like equipment, Gucci bags, um, airplanes, your favorite horse, whatever it is. All right? Paying back debt. On your profit and loss, interest payments show up, but not your debt repayment. And then finally, the most important of all leakages is how much you're taking out as the owner. So no one's connecting the dots between why profit and cash are wrong, are, are different, mm -hmm. which is my biggest objection to the accounting profession. Yes. I'm not explaining it to you. Allow me to do a standing ovation. The crowd goes wild. This is what I've been complaining about for so many years. It drives me nuts. This has been the bane of my existence in teaching business owners how to run their businesses is because their accountants aren't, one, aren't teaching them. They don't understand it. They, well, they don't know. Let's face it. Financial statements are written for bankers and third parties and the IRS hmm? or in Canada, what's your equivalent? But, but they're not written for us. And if you look at the rules, they're confusing. Why? Because the more profit you show, the more they tax you, whether or not you have the cash or not. It's a con game. The whole thing about generally accepted accounting principles or the international accounting principles, it's a joke. It's a freaking joke to make you pay more. Yeah. And not control your business. When I started owning my first business that got big, all right? I realized that my background as a CPA was actually hindering me from making money. Wow, good notice. Right? <laughs> because it's not geared for, we think differently as a business owner. We think in terms of cash in and cash out. Now, let me take you to the next step. Not only cash in and cash out what's in your bank today, but what's going to happen tomorrow, next month, a year, and where are you going to be five years from now? That's what's important. Not where did the money go, but where's it going to come from and go to as you go forward? Nice. And that's what the CFO is about. Most CFOs out there are fractional. In other words, they come in, they fix a problem, they get out. We create relationships where we show you your action steps and what to do month after month, year after year. We have some clients that have been with us for over 20 years. Nice. See, peeps, I told you you'd love Jeff. So it, it's all about where you're going and what's the fastest way to get from point A to point B. That's what this is about. This accounting stuff is just confusing the bejeebies out of everybody. Well, I've is, always said it was one of those shell games where they had like the little ball in the cups and they're moving stuff around. And then they add a component of fear to it when they call it the IRS and it's super intimidating. It's like, okay, just not them. And so people would rather just kind of ignore the situation and not have to deal with the IRS than, than deal with it intentionally or intelligently. And it drives right. me nuts. It's just like, think of taxes as a cost of business. The more money you make, for every dollar you make, you pay $30 cents in taxes. How many <laughs> You're not you Canadian. <laughs> 
what? So you're uh, clearly not Canadian. <laughs> well, I wish it was only 30 cents. <laughs> but here's the bottom line. Profit can be manipulated. I used to work for a, a giant international accounting firm. It's now a part of Deloitte, but it was two Schross back then. And here's what I learned about this. You want to hire an accountant, ask them how much is two plus two, right? Do you yeah. know the answer, Michelle? Uh, four. I'm no, not an accountant. You want it to be. <laughs> that was it, never it, the accountant's answer that I got. Yeah, well, <laughs> we can manipulate it through depreciation, non-cash items. We could create bigger reserves for obsolete inventory or non-collectible uh, receivables. We can manipulate that number or the way we calculate depreciation and amortization. And if I'm talking over your head, it's because that's right. It was geared to talk over your head so you pay more for the service. Exactly. Okay. But you don't need to know that. As a matter of fact, our business owners, we don't even show them their financial statements anymore. Wow. We, in, we get the information and we put it into a dashboard so they can understand it. Awesome. So it's, I love what I do, if you can't tell. <laughs> yeah, but, and I love that you love what you do because I love what you do too. It is, it is, it is totally different. I mean, I, I can tell you, we've had clients that have said, no, my accountant says I can't write off my coaching because it's not a business write-off. Like, dude, other what? than registering your company, <laughs> that's like the second thing that's a write-off. Like, no, it's totally a write-off. So, mm -hmm. and finding accountants that actually knew the difference between an accurate write-off and a non-accurate write-off, let alone strategy and the difference between spending money to make money and I've had accountants say, just fire your salespeople because they're costing you too much money. Like, are I, you was once, I was once in a situation where I'm consulting to a client and he pulls in his accountant and his gross revenue was down by 33% from 1.2 million to 800,000, something like that. And we're talking and I go, okay, you've got to increase your marketing. You've got to get the business back the way it was because you lost a ton of clients. And the accountant's saying, well, if we could track your trucks better, we could save 10 grand. And I go, the guy is down $400,000 and you're tracking 10 grand? Get real. Oh my God, yeah. Because that's all accountants know is how to cut costs. Tripping over dollars to make pennies. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. So, and, and that's a true story. And, and my numbers aren't far off. I mean, I may be off a couple of dollars, literally, but it, it was a true story. And I, I just, ha I, I couldn't take it. Oh, I, I believe it. It's, it's like, I get so fed up with accountants sometimes. <laughs> you and me both. Well, and, and it boggles my mind that, I mean, I say I know more than they do. I don't know more than they do, but I know what is a write-off and what isn't a write-off. And I'm a huge advocate of knowing what what you legally have the right to claim. It's like if you're not claiming your annual board meetings, then you're you're doing a disservice to your company and to the rules and regulations that are there. Like it just doesn't make sense to me why more people aren't advocating for their clients when. I would assume when my clients make more money, I get to make more money because then they're bigger and they're doing more and they're charging, I get to charge them more. I would assume that accountants would have worked the same way. <laughs> you want your clients to make more money. So to this day, I still teach CPAs, it's a continuing professional education to CPAs. I started in about the 90s and I never thought I was a great accountant. But 
I couldn't believe how bad most of them are. <laughs> Wasn't a huge watermark to be able to step up above. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I was just surprised. I mean, oh, I've lectured all over the United States, including Hawaii, and it's like, oh my God. It's like, you guys, you passed a CPA exam, but I'm not sure you learned anything since. Wow. That's so, painful. It's I mean, painful and all the yeah. crap that Trudeau's coming down with as far as our rules and regulations go, you'd almost think he was intentionally trying to put entrepreneurs out of business, but we will continue to fight and <laughs> Look, rally you know, together. Well, as I do, it's us small businesses that keep this going. If you take a look at even Google and stuff, they started as a small business. And even to this day, what they're doing is buying small businesses. That's how they're getting their growth. They need us. We are their fuel. And our fuel is cash, period. And without cash, we have no fuel. And no one's telling you how to stash the cash. Exactly. So, so who, who would you say is your ideal client? Who do you love to serve and support? Um, well, as an accountant, um, I got specialized in real estate construction. So I love contractors, supply chain vendors, um, uh, home builders. I used to own the second largest privately owned home builder here in Colorado. I, I served on the board for the NAHB. I was chairman of their financial management committee, National Association of Home Builders, lectured at their international conference. So yeah, I, I love people who work with their hands. But Michelle, I grew up really poor. And as poor as I was, I think my wife was poor. And, and it's like, okay, I got out of literally the project based on using my brains. And I went through a lot of hard times to make my businesses successful. And I wish there was somebody like me telling me what I could have avoided and what I didn't. So my passion is small businesses, but I found the system works in any business. So, I mean, I, I've audited basketball teams, uh, um, major hospital chains. I've seen it. But when it comes down to it, they're really a conglomeration of little entities. Oh, absolutely. And, and um, uh, it's us. It's us doing these podcasts. It's us spreading the word. It's us motivating these people and showing them the light so that they could at least, if they're going to make mistakes, make novel mistakes. Don't make the same mistakes everybody else made. <laughs> and, and that that's what we're all okay, about and and being an owner of a business is extremely lonely mm -hmm. you go into dark places and everybody thinks you're successful and you're biting your nails wondering how you're going to make it through tomorrow and i don't wish that on anybody but yet we all go through it every one of us goes through it i think at some point and it, and and it, and we could be really doing well. And then all of a sudden we fall back. Mm -hmm. And we like being that third party objective. Hey, relax. Here's what we've got to do. This is your game plan. And let's, let's execute. And here are the steps to execution. And, and I think that's the bottom line, Michelle, is we are the foundation. And 
I hate government for saying that making a profit is evil and bad. It's not. It's not because that's how we pay our people more. That's how we reinvest in our business. That's how we get to do charitable work. And the give back, the payback for us small business owners making more money is significant. And that's what I'm about. And I went on my soapbox for a few minutes, Michelle, but. That's all good. I absolutely love it. Well, and I think it's so hugely important that entrepreneurs understand, well, and I don't know if you know my philosophy on it, but I think the whole journey into entrepreneurialism is the best personal development course there is. And it's, to me, it's kind of like the path to enlightenment. It's, there's a tendering process that we have to go through that allows us to become the best us that we can be. But the origination of that is the idea that we have, not the execution of it. So, I mean, it's somewhat the execution of it, but it's not, it's not like we have to do it alone. So once upon a time, you either ran your business like a small business on your own, having no community, no support. But now with the help of people like Jeff out there that have this part-time CFO, that you have us as your CMO and your CIO, and that you can do it at an affordable price and bring on a team of people who are unbelievable experts that only ever would have been available to big business before paying you know, salaries of hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now you have access to them as a small business owner. It's, I think it's brilliant. It gets me revved up, excited. I think everybody needs to know about this because, oh my God, if I had a team like the three of us, when I started in business, my entire life would have been different. Like the advice I got would have been different. The things I did would have been different. Everything. And we all could say it like my, you know, I've worked a long time in my profession to get really good at it. And if you think about it, how long would it take you to learn what Michelle does? I mean, I don't even want to learn it. (laughs) Exactly. Michelle and I had some (laughs) private jokes about going around about my uh, um, ability in the internet, but, um, and social media, but um, we all need somebody. We all do. You you can't wear all the hats involved in a business. So, you know, you want to make money, you got to save time, energy, and money by putting your time, energy, and money into things that pay off the quickest. And what you're good at is what we're not good at. What we're good at is what you're not good at. I think I said that right, did I? <laughs> exactly, yes. <laughs> yeah, so so that's that's the trade-off. Do you want to get there faster and easier or not? Mm. I love it. So can you give us an example of one of your Cinderella stories? Oh, I've got a few, but nice. I could tell you my own. Um, so once I left public accounting, I sold my practice. I brought public a uh, company that if you're a golfer, you've heard of it, Ashworth Golf Clothing. I was one of the original founders of that. But my Cinderella story was, uh, one of my ex-clients came back to me and said, hey, would you help me get started in this home building business? And figuring he was an expert, I said, sure. And he was a client and I saw what he did in the past. And I said, yeah, I'll do it. And before we knew it, we were upside down a million dollars. And basically he had no funds, so it all fell on me. And I didn't have a million dollars to lose. And that's where the transformation of me as an accountant 
to me as a business owner started. And we did come out of it and became one of the most successful companies in Colorado. In fact, nice. uh, it was rated the 73rd largest privately owned company here in Colorado in 2003. And I got rid of it before the 2007 bus. So I didn't, you know, but. Good timing. <laughs> that, that was my biggest Cinderella story. Ashworth Golf Clothing. We weren't a golf clothing company to start with. And we were going to open up driving ranges. Remember, my specialty is real estate. Right. So that was a real estate play with commercially zoned ground and buying time to it to mature by being a driving range. And when we looked at the model, I said, it doesn't work. And when I proved it to them, that's when they said, well, what about starting a golf clothing company? I go, I don't know anything about that. They go, we want you to do the projections and help us structure the financing. And that's how I got involved. It, it was, and, and they sold out many years later. Uh, when they moved to California, I didn't go with them, but um, they, they sold out, I, I believe it was to Callahan. I was gone by then. But um, the other one, one other is we took this lady who had a product from 600,000 to 8 million in a period of three years. Nice. Now, can I guarantee those results? Of so course not, but what happened? My what were you looking stories. at? Well, yeah. So, <laughs> without giving away your secret sauce or any of her stuff, though, what, what kind of were the triggers that allowed that to happen? That Things that she wouldn't have seen on her own. It comes down to those eight components that I told you. Yep. You got to figure out which one isn't working. And it could be a series of them, but then you've got to start working on them one by one. And and uh, I, I, with, I, I'm worried about what I can and cannot say. That's why I'm still doing <laughs> yeah. here. No worries. Um, no need to the, give away anything. Here, here's the thing I will tell all your listeners, Michelle. Yep. There's no yep. magic bullet. And when you look at it over five years, if you do a lot of little things, the compounding of those little things is what makes you wildly successful. But there's never just one thing. Because as you grow, you'll see the problem starts cir becoming circular. So you grow and now you realize your marketing is no, more, no longer valid. Or you grow and you find out your management structure is no longer valid. And or you find out that you can't take your own company to the next level. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of problems in growth. And you've got to be able to address them as you hit each tranche or each step of your um, growth. It takes money to make money. And you got to make sure you have that money stashed away before you get to the next growth level, which is my probably number one takeaway is before you embark on growth, make sure you have the money so that you can do the growth. Oh, absolutely. I have noticed that there are kind of certain stepping stones that companies will get into when they need to start to systemize and they need to kind of break the system that they had before in order to create something different that will work at this new level of fulfillment or this new level of intake or this new level of whatever it is. And to me, that's kind of the biggest cornerstone that 
companies get into and they don't have a clue how to deal with it because they've never had to deal with it before. And it's like, right. okay, shit, now we have to change everything. How do we change it? What do we do? Who do we hire? Who do we? If they even recognize they have to change anything. And that's where people like, you know, us outsiders come in and we could take that objective view and say, okay, here's what needs to happen. Mm -hmm. But the owner, who are they going to confide into? A lot of cases, it's their spouse who are, or their friends who are going to say, we know you'll work it out. Super helpful. But there's no real solid advice. Or you can't tell your employees that you're panicked. Mm -hmm. Right? And, and so, who? I mean, you could have your strategic meetings, but to get to the point where you're vulnerable, you, you can't allow a lot of people to see that vulnerability. Otherwise, they'll leave you. And so it, it becomes one of those catch-22s. Mm. You know, you want to grow, but you can't really confide in your own people because they may jump ship thinking there's a bigger problem and not see the opportunity or see that as they get bigger, their, their capacity won't keep up with it. And so they start looking for a job in advance. A lot of problems, but they're all, if you take a good look at them, they're all solvable. If you give yourself enough time to solve them. Yeah. Time, energy, and money. That's what it comes to. <laughs> well, and if I had to say, I say you have a couple of secret, secret sauces. Is One is as you're working with somebody, because you're not just coming in, fixing a project, and then leaving again, that you can actually see, hey, we've solved this problem over here, which now exposes that problem over there, or creates that problem over on this side. And yeah. to me, that is monumental that you have, as a business owner, have somebody that's there consistently for you. So that once you've solved a problem that you can, they can see the next problem coming because you probably can't because you're so busy, head down, butt up, trying to fix the, you know, get the day-to-day -day stuff done that you don't see the problems that you're creating behind you. Well, in fact, we've created a dashboard that flashes red, green, and yellow. Hey, hey. Red, you got to work on it right now. Yellow is a problem waiting to happen. And green is everything's okay. But if all your dials are green, it means you're not pushing hard enough. Exactly. It's like a good car. Yeah. <laughs> Something's got to go in the yellow. Right. <laughs> so what would somebody be at home thinking uh, or what kind of stumbling blocks might a business owner have that they think, oh my God, Jeff, I need you so badly right now. Um, usually they're frustrated. It's starting to roll over into their personal life with their relationship with the spouse, the family members, your friends. That's one of the good ones. Frustration about your cash flow not wondering how you're going to make tomorrow's bills. Um, sometimes you can't, it's that uneasiness in the pit of your stomach where you can't really identify the problem, but you know there's one. And then the other things are a little more mindset. Do you feel like you're losing confidence in your own ability? Do you wonder what it's going to be like to fail? Um, one of the things I've learned is we've been programmed as people, humans, to fail, but not succeed. So true. And there's a mindset. Sometimes it's the owner's mindset that needs a little tweak. You know, I, I know I was talking to somebody, and I'm not a religious person, but somebody else told me about this story of three talons. Yes. And, and 
where you're punished for not making a profit. Mm-hmm. And they go, well, wait a second. How come nobody's ever really said it to me that I can make money and making money is a good thing? Again, you want to, your ultimate role in life depends on you not worrying about money. Mm-hmm. And no one will tell you that. It is not evil to make money. People who, I, I got to say, the odds are against you because everything changes when you start making money. And you've got to be prepared for that change. So there's some mindset that goes with making money. And and that's part of the problem too, is the mindset. Um, Too many people are afraid of success instead of failure. So totally concur. Well, I, my next question is usually, how do you think this directly helps somebody scale their business? And I think that's obvious. <laughs> this will help you scale. And I have the philosophy that there's basically four pillars to scaling your um, business and it's strategies, systems, support, and state of mind. And if you aren't building all four of those either simultaneously or planning for the next one, it, you're, you can't hit that next level of business which to me is business ownership of when you're ideally your business runs better without you than it does with you. Right. Right. And here's a little philosophy kind of like on an ending note, if you will, here's the saying I had two sayings. One is if I have anything to do, it means I'm understaffed. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And the second one is the harder I work, the less money I make. Too often we're in that catch 22 where in order to grow, we need money. And in order to get money, we need to grow. So we think the obvious answer is just to work harder. But meanwhile, your customer support goes down. Your ability, your your functioning goes down. You're not as sharp. So you as a business owner have an obligation to work as little as you can so that you could spend your time strategizing on how to make that business better and how to fulfill your customer promise better. So uh, it's just two sayings I've had that I've had to learn the hard way. (laughs) Yes, and so many of us have. So if you don't know how to strategize your business, you find yourself sitting in that room alone, call Jeff, he'll help you, absolutely. I love it. So if somebody loved to work with you, how do they get a hold of you? Um, Go through our uh, website, the cfoproject.com, the CFO project.com. How do you spell CFO? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, CFOproject.com. And, uh, and we have a short video of how we actually help you um, that goes through the five-step process we utilize that we do month after month with you. And then if you like what you hear, there's a button to schedule a right fit call. So we don't take clients on unless we've met with you twice usually. because we want to make sure that a you're going to get a return on your investment and b that we actually can help you Nice. so it's it's a pretty it's not hard to become one of our clients but we don't take just anybody got it good like it that way awesome so let me ask you this at what point in life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur um, so everybody always kind of giggles at that one going, oh yeah, crazy. <laughs> I know exactly that. what had happened. Um, 
so I, I was the CFO of a real estate syndication firm. And the absentee owner came up to me and said, Jeff, if you were as good as you think you are, and people say you are, then why aren't you out on your own? So that night I went home and I said to my wife, Judy, I'm going out on my own. And she goes, what? <laughs> and I go, I don't care anymore. I'm going out on my own. She goes, I'm five months pregnant. This is with our third child. At least wait till he's he or she, we didn't know, is born and we know he's healthy. And Eric was born. Two weeks later, there were no complications. I put in my resignation and I started. Wow, good for you. Sounds so, awesome. And, and I've got to be honest with you. Uh, I was very lucky. Within three months, I netted more than I did as a full-time CFO, including bonuses. Wow. How did you do but that? We didn't specialize in accounting. We specialized in projections and bringing companies forward. Nice. So we had a lot of big engagements where, I mean, I mean I've written a book on uh, financial forecasting in Microsoft Excel. That was one of my books. It's only for nerds and geeks. Um, <laughs> Spreadsheet but, enthusiasts. But even at Touche Ross, I was doing more projections than anybody else in the Denver office. Oh. And I loved it. It's like, oh man, just seeing how you make money is so exciting. So I got a lot of exposure on how to make money by keeping away from the compliance work. So here's another fun fact. When I was a CPA, my specialty was corporate and real estate taxation partnerships as well. All right. I have never done a tax return. How'd you get in the way with that? Um, just the way it worked. When I started my CPA firm, I realized I don't want to do it. We, we, we weren't. We were helping. Our specialty was growing businesses. But it's my business. Over, I can do what I want. <laughs> I was looking over the returns of my clients and I'm going, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. And finally, a bunch of them said, do, would you take over? I'm going, I don't do this kind of work. So I hired a tax partner. Nice. And that's how we got into the tax business. That's but um um, no, my, my goal has always been, let's make more money. We'll worry about this taxes later. Nice. We want to minimize taxes. Mm -hmm. But again, I'm going to say, like I said earlier in the show, the only way to avoid paying taxes is don't make money. So yeah, we don't like that one either. But uh, uh, yeah, we love making money. I don't know if I've ever told you my story of how I very first got into business. <clears throat> and it was, uh, it cracked me up. It's a good story. But I'll give you the short version. When I uh, started the company, we went to a company called the BDC. It's uh, basically a loan company. And they help coach business owners in order to succeed with the cash they need. And the first question they gave me was, well, what do you see your projections as? I said, I have no idea. I've never run a business before. And they said, well, I know. But what do you see your projections at? I don't know. I haven't run a business before. And they're like, OK, but if you had, <laughs> you're, you're buying a business, what do you think your um, projections are going to be? And I went, well, like, I don't even know what electronics would do in this town. I don't know. And they're like, okay, well, what do you think your projections might be? And I'm like, so what I hear you saying is make shit up. And he goes, okay, <laughs> let's start there. <laughs> well, it's funny you should say that, Michelle. Uh, a projection or a forecast or a pro forma is nothing more than a guess. 
So a lot of times when we start working with our clients, they may not have good historical numbers. So we say guess, and then we triangulate on the real ones. Yeah. But you got to have a starting point. And and um, so what he was telling you was good advice. It's just that it sounds like he didn't put it in the language you understand. <laughs> I just it's didn't like, believe yeah. it. It's like, okay, I'm getting a half million dollar loan. I'm thinking it should be based on something more than me, a 23-year-old guessing. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's, that's where you start. That's projection is. It's an <laughs> informed guess. But see, like in business planning, when I, I used to lecture all over uh, to the CPAs. I told you that. But it was about business planning. But I go, you got to start with the numbers. Because if the numbers don't make sense, why would you write a business plan? And then you use the business plan to justify your numbers. So I remember once I was doing a business plan for somebody in South Carolina. They were opening up a furniture store. And I go, well, how much are you going to spend on advertising? She goes, 5000 a month. So a little later, I go, how are you going to advertise? And she said, I'm going to do this. How much does that cost? How much does that cost? And we went through it. And I go, earlier, you said you were going to spend five grand. Turns out you need 6300 a month. She goes, oh. And then the light went on. The numbers support my dialogue. <laughs> Don't you love that little light bulb moment? <laughs> I love it. I live for those the number. light bulb moments. It's like, yeah, okay. See, the numbers aren't that hard when you put them into plain English. Exactly. So. Super fun. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I absolutely loved having you on the show. Thank you so much for your time and effort. Do you have any last parting words of wisdom for our peeps? Well, first of all, you wanted to give away my free book. Yes, we do. We love presents. And the second one is a lot of people are afraid of numbers. They are, they've been complicated by your accountant. So I don't know if I ever told you this joke. What does CPA stand for? What? Can't possibly add. So <laughs> if you look at it, everybody thinks we accountants are math geniuses. But all we are are experts at third grade math, addition, subtraction, division, and multiplication. And if you took away our calculators, I don't think we'd be good at that. <laughs> Lost. So, so understand that... Like what we do at the CFO project, we don't even make you do third grade math. We give you the answers. And, and the key is knowing when to look at it, how to, um, what to look at, how to interpret it. And if you don't like a number, thumbs up or thumbs down, what to do about it. And that's really the essence of accounting. It's nothing more than that. Love it. So that's my parting thing is you, what we don't know, we overcomplicate. <laughs> exactly. Right? So get somebody who knows how to make it simple and uh, quit overcomplicating things you don't understand. I love, 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 love that. So, awesome. So how do we get your book? Hell, hell. Oh, hell. believe it or not, it's go to thecfoproject.com forward slash money book. One word. And another forward slash. And the book is Make More Money, The Business Owner's Five-Step Plan for Bringing Home More Cash. Not profit, not revenue, cash. So there are some really good tips in there. And just have a look. It's free.
Love it. Our goal is to help 10,000 business owners make more money. Money isn't top line growth. It's not bottom line growth. Money is cash, disposable money that you could spend any damn well way you please. Nice. I love money. Awesome. So peeps, if you have questions for Jeff, absolutely get in touch with him, get in touch with me. We will be happy to have him back on the show to answer all your questions. So this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being with us here today. If you know anyone who would make a great guest for the show, or if you have a question or topic that you'd like me to discuss, please reach out to me at michelle at awarenessstrategies.com or connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to our show. I am all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support they need to make it in business. As such, I have Taking Your Business Digital Q&A every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Mountain. To register for that, go to awarenessstrategies.com slash digital. That's D-I-G-I-T-A-L. I look forward to meeting you and actually finding out how you are. So see you on the flip side.